Welcome to Destination CMO, a podcast about growth, business, and the power of marketing. With your host, Vincent Famvan, a three-time chief marketing officer, member of the Forbes Communication Council, and a 40 Under 40 award recipient. On this show, we invite our guests to share the most important stories happening today in business and tech told through the lens of a senior marketing leader. If you enjoy this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Our guest today is Madison Nagel. She's a brand strategy consultant and founder of Madhouse, where she helps mission-driven companies deliver a digital-first strategy and engages in a conscious consumer of our generation. Madison and I met, and one of the first conversations that we had was just about how there's so many brands that are doing great things for the earth in sustainability but just do a poor job of messaging that and getting the message out about the great things that they're actually doing. And so her recent clients include companies like Revolve, Guess, Unichef, New York Fashion Week, Soho House, so many others. And so I'm so excited to be able to invite onto the show, Madison. Great to have you. Hi, how are you? I'm great. I'm really great. It's good. This is a conversation I've been looking forward to having for months now. And I'm so excited to be able to hear about like the impact that you're able to have, not just through one company, but through so many different companies that you're working with. Now, you've taken a little bit of an untraditional career path. Oftentimes, you have a lot of full-time marketers who will start in-house at a company or in-house mm-hmm. at an agency before jumping into this world of marketing consulting work. And I think there's two things that a lot of people have misconceptions about marketing consulting is like a lot of the times when you think of the marketing freelancer, it's the copywriter, it's the social media manager, it's the person that's the graphic designer or writing blog posts. You've actually Mm -hmm. taken a jump straight into strategy and like Mm -hmm. the core part of what it means to be a brand strategist. So tell me a little bit about that untraditional career path that you've taken. Yeah, absolutely. So I did have an extremely untraditional career path. I, after graduating with my undergraduate degree from University of Florida, moved down to Miami and started modeling with Next Miami and was then going all around LA, New York, Miami modeling, had this great opportunity to network, meet all of these brands, become a fashion model and influencer for these brands. And it kind of just started piquing my interest into the creative side of the industry and was always on set, wanting to be more involved, wanting to be a part of the brand campaign strategy, the ideation from beginning to end. And I didn't really have that voice when I was on set as a model. So always started taking on smaller projects here and there where Anytime anyone would ever give me an opportunity, I was just like, yes, I'm in. So I did all of those jobs. I was the graphic designer, the copywriter, the social media manager, and was really just kind of doing all of those things behind the scenes the whole time I was modeling full time. I then decided to start my master's program at Harvard. And it was in one of my final courses that I had this like pivotal moment of my career. And I was in a PR entrepreneurship course. And the final project was a very real life applicable project, which I love that Harvard does that. And it was to come up with a PR strategy or a campaign for a brand, fully hypothetical situation. And I did a spinoff of Revolve's traditional marketing campaign that they do revolve around the world, where they take influencers on the trips to help promote their new clothing line drops. And I did Revolve for the world. So kind of looking at their influencer marketing through a different lens, we launched our first fully 
sustainable line. We planted a tree for every use of the hashtag. So really just getting the influencers involved in like a mission oriented campaign. And again, at this point, it was all hypothetical. This was my class project. I sent it over to Revolve. I had been an influencer and model for them for years. Didn't really think anything of it. And a couple months later, heard back from none other than the CEO of the company. And he was like, we love this. We're going to bring you on not only as a consultant, but as the fashion model for the campaign. So I was able to launch the campaign on Instagram with the company. And this was like my first aha moment of being like, wow, I can do this from both sides. And I don't really have to pick one side or the other. I'm able to leverage my likability in the modeling industry, as well as my creative brain on the other side to make the campaign come to life. What I love about what you did is there's this traditional career path where a lot of people would have said, well, I got to go do these things, gain these experiences before I can go do the thing that I want to do. And you kind of just went sprinting straight towards the destination that you wanted to be. And like this podcast is called Destination CMO. And there's like the traditional corporate career ladder and the ability to stay really singularly focused on what you want to do and go after it, I think is something that's absolutely commendable. It's been really smart. And I would love to like hear your thoughts behind it is like when you go into senior level marketing strategy, consulting type work, those that are the most successful at it really niche into and become an expert in a specific thing. When I take a look throughout my career, like the thing that I've helped companies do is early stage companies get their first 10,000, 20,000 customers. If it's a B2B company, like get their first one or two big, notable, recognizable client logos. And I do that for technology companies. You've kind of done the same. Like, how would you describe like your work and kind of like, how did you narrow in on that? Yeah, I think that kind of like what you mentioned with our first conversation when we met a couple months back at Soho, I really was seeing it through multiple different lens. So I think I'm seeing all my friends that are influencers posting on Instagram and TikTok. I'm seeing these campaigns come to life from behind the scenes and behind the camera. And I just really felt it heavy on my heart, to be honest, that I was like, there's so much power with influencing. And there's millions of likes and comments going on to these posts. I want these influencers to have the opportunity to really share something that's impactful. And I think I was hearing that from even friends in the industry too. Like it's only so many times that you can watch an influencer do a try on haul or post in an outfit. So I think the influencers too, there's a shift in the market happening right now where the creators are wanting to have a say what the campaigns are looking like, what the brands are doing and what that mission is that they're sharing on their page. So the hardest part when you go into whether it's fractional CMO work or consulting work, and you know the reason why fundamentally people go get full-time jobs is for the stability. How did you approach getting your first client, your first two clients? And like, what did that look like behind the scenes? Yeah. Well, I like to say I'm lucky because I never really had that stability. I started as a fashion model. So I was very much so used to one great month and the next having no work. So that's just the nature of the beast. And so I think that trained me well for the consulting life. (laughs) But with Revolve, that was really like my first big client where that was this great opportunity and case study for me to go to other companies. So I just started reaching out to brands that I had been an influencer or a model for. And it was like, here's this, this is what I did with Revolve. I'd love to come in and just discuss what we can do with your company too. And I was really looking at those companies 
that I had worked with that were already doing something for their triple bottom line, something that was mission driven or oriented that they hadn't really gone out and done a full fledged marketing campaign around it. So guess was one of those clients where I went in and guess is so sustainable. It's crazy. They've been doing auditing for years and years with KPMG. And then obviously guess has this great brand identity. They're so good at their marketing and their social presence. Everyone can see an image and know it's a guest campaign. And those teams really just needed kind of to bridge the gap between the two departments there to bring this to light. Because what I like to say to a lot of my clients is too, the consumer preferences are shifting. Whereas my parents or grandparents bought clothing based off of quality. And my generation, I'm on the cusp of millennial Gen Z is buying based off of brand recognition. You want that Nike logo, that Louis Vuitton bag, and the new generation, the young Gen Z, they're buying based off of purpose. So it's a huge missed opportunity, even for profits to not be marketing what you're doing that's mission driven, or what kind of impact your company's making, because that's what the next generation of consumers is buying based off of. How does it feel, you know, this went live 22 hours ago, you know, <laughs> to see your work like out in the wild. And I'd imagine it takes a bit of influence to be able to bring a campaign like this to life. So how do you feel like it's different trying to influence another team where you're kind of an outsider to adopt a strategy versus if you're on the team, those dynamics I would imagine are quite different. Seeing this guest campaign is honestly surreal even in this moment now, just because, I mean, it literally came out yesterday and launched yesterday. And this has been a project I've been working on for almost two years now. So just to give the audience kind of some context to the background of this campaign, I had worked with guests prior as an influencer model and reached out to them after my project with Revolve, said, I'd love to do something similar with your team. And we actually, I brought on my sustainability marketing professor from Harvard into this project. And we were able to get in with guests, do a full sustainability marketing audit for the company. We looked across every key touch point. We brought in 40 undergrad Harvard students and 30 grad students to help us utilize a software to kind of score guesses, sustainability marketing initiatives compared to their competitors. And we were able to really identify what guest was doing that was great when it came to sustainability marketing and what they needed some help with. And we launched, this is our first campaign that we've launched with them. And it's with social, which is definitely something that I'm more focused in digital first strategy. It's an easier touch point to kind of overhaul for a company compared to going in and changing a full store footprint or putting up billboards. So we've been working on this social campaign for a few months and it just launched on the guest Instagram Thursday this week. We have the YouTube video, TikTok going up, and then we're going to be doing a big influencer event in partnership with the one hotel at the end of this month. So it's really exciting to see it all come to life. And to answer your question about really the influence there and how I what like I'm bringing that both expertise from the influencer side and the marketing side to the table. I think that's an advantage that I have that a lot of these companies are missing. They have experts in every field, but I come in with this unique lens because I have been on both sides of it. So it's interesting to plan an influencer event and not have been an influencer. I know how to speak the language. So A couple of my clients have said it's almost, I know how to speak another language because I know how to communicate with these influencers. I know what the deliverables should look like, what the social campaign should feel like to feel native to each platform. 
Yeah. And almost being able to like translate. And you mentioned another area that you're able to translate, which is kind of like living between these two different generations and being able to understand like enough of both of the generations. This will become more prevalent as like more of Gen Z joins leadership roles within the companies that they're working with. But, you know, we're living in a world right now where the business executives that are oftentimes making the decisions, anything from baby boomers to millennials and with as much as people said millennials were different, Gen Z, completely different. What do you think are the major takeaways that a consumer brand should be cognizant of in marketing to Gen Z that's different than older or more traditional like marketing strategies? I think two things, leading with purpose. So leading your marketing campaigns with what are you doing that matters? Because that's the first question they're asking. And I think the second thing would be authenticity. Gen Z can see right through it. Whereas millennials, we came into this social space and we saw the perfectly curated Instagram feeds and the Pinterest boards. Gen Z wants that raw, authentic content. They don't want to be fooled. And it's just so evident now that I was speaking to my mom about this the other day. We live in a world where now they didn't have that. A Gen Z consumer can go and research within five seconds Who's the president of the company? What are they doing? What are they posting on social? Who are they politically aligned with? How much are they paying their employees? Yeah, I think that's spot on. What a different world from the radio commercials 10 years ago, where it would literally say at the end of the commercial, like, not a real customer. This is a voice actor. You can't can't get away with that today. Even today, if you're paying somebody to be able to create content, consumers are going to that person's Instagram account and they're seeing if that person is following the brand. And if that person's not following the brand, they're not a real customer. A hundred percent. And that's what I'm seeing with a lot of my clients, even like out of the sustainability space, just I work with a lot of fashion brands and helping them do digital first strategies. I have New York Fashion Week. So helped a lot of the partners there. But when you're catering to this Gen Z demographic, it's just so different. You have to really be making sure that you're hitting all these key touch points for them or else they're just going to keep scrolling because yeah. they have such a good read on it, if it's authentic or not. And when the brands are coming up with their campaigns now and picking the models, I've even seen a shift in the modeling industry. Whereas when I signed with my first modeling agency five, six years ago, it was social media. Instagram was just starting to become used. I remember we did a dinner with my modeling agency And the head of the agency, this is five, six years ago, was like, I think you guys should start sharing what you do outside of modeling on Instagram. And it was almost laughed and brushed off at the table because everyone was just sharing their professional modeling photos. Mm -hmm. Whereas now the person booking the campaign, it's not based off of what they look like. It's not based off of even how many followers they have anymore. It's based off of the story that they're telling and their engaged audience. Yeah. In the TV space, you have character development and even in reality, TV shows or documentaries, you're developing a persona so that the person watching feels like they understand or can relate to that person. And in marketing today, I think the perfect example of this is like the fanfare and just like how people get obsessed over their favorite Peloton instructor. Because in the old world, it would be enough just to be good when you're on stage, right? When you're doing what it is that your job is. But today, like part of the reason why a Peloton or an Equinox Plus is different than an Apple Fitness is this almost celebrity status of this much deeper level of connection than 
you know, the surface level, what you saw and how you felt. Yeah. And it makes sense for marketing for sure. Because every campaign I like, as an example that I use for some of my clients, like if you think of like a Nike campaign and they need to cast an athlete to be running around the track at a high school, they could either go cast that through a modeling agency, which is what would have happened for the last 10 years. But now they're going to go to the high school and scout that athlete. They want that true authentic story and it's going to sell better too. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I think that this has really done for marketers, which is really great, is level the playing field. Because authentic content doesn't necessarily mean the highest production value content. And in the past, if you were a direct-to-consumer brand, I'm thinking these founders that are launching consumer brands on a Shopify store, direct-to-consumer, in the past, you would have needed that multi-million dollar marketing budget to get something that was to the level of a creative that an agency would have cranked out. And today, that's not what's winning. Today, winning is like that founder packing boxes in their garage and posting the Instagram story of the boxes in their trunk going to the post office. And afterwards, the authentic looking into the phone camera and just saying thank you to customers. People want to be there for the come up too. They want to be there for the whole process. And that's what we're seeing on TikTok. Even the creators that are scaling, you look at Alex Earl, you look at Girl Boss Town, you look at some of these huge creators that have scaled in the last few months. And it's their audience has been there since day one. So you go into the comments and it's these people that have been fans since day one. They're there for that story. When you go to, let's talk about like going to large events. You're there meeting with your clients. It's also another goal to be able to grow your business. What type of planning do you do going into a New York Fashion Week and coming out of New York Fashion Week? What are the things that you can do on the ground to make that a successful week as a consultant? Yeah, absolutely. So with New York Fashion Week, they have me as a digital strategist. So I come in and help all of the different partners that come in for New York Fashion Week. So this previous season in February, I was able to work with Tresemme, Core Hydration, and Rakuten, and really just kind of develop what that digital campaign looked like for New York Fashion Week's partnership with each client. So definitely great to be meeting with new clients all the time and those relationships being built, but just being in the room at New York Fashion Week and getting to sit front row with these shows and go into all of these events and on both sides of it. It's they're balancing going to influencer events and working and the behind the scenes with New York Fashion Week. So it's just so great to get to shake the hands and meet the people and really go back to LA and kind of digest all of those new network opportunities and reach out to those players that I feel confident would align to work with Madhouse. As you start a new engagement, there's obviously the act of putting together a proposal and sending it over to the team, putting a scope to that, putting a price to that. How do you think about like the value of the work that you're doing and being able to measure something that the client sees a benefit in? Yeah, absolutely. I think that this has been an ongoing discussion in my head. I know we've even met and spoke about this as well with really really like what is the value that you bring and how do you market that to the clients? I think that recently I've come to the conclusion that you don't have to have the network to get the job. If I feel like that's the best way to say it. So I think the advantage point is I can come into a company and I think that there's someone else I'm sure that could do the same job where they could put together the strategy, they could put together the digital strategy, they could put together the whole package. 
but they don't have the relationships with the influencers. They don't have the relationships with the other brand partners that we could bring on for the influencer events. And I've worked really hard to build the network that I have the last five years being in the industry. So I think it's just really leveraging your network, the people you've met, tapping into different communities. And I think that's really the advantage point for most marketers that are going in as a consultant. Yeah. And I think the other thing I've heard that it just seems like so simple and such a no brainer, but it's asking the client if they are, whether they're positioning this to their CEO, like what does that success look like? And ultimately a lot of the times as a marketing consultant, like you're helping your direct point of contact deliver great work that helps them and their team shine. And so I've talked to so many people who start in this world of marketing consulting where they think that they have to have the perfect pitch already set up when the perfect pitch is actually kind of a collaborative process and defining like what success for them, which is going to also vary company to company because not every company is the same and not every company values the same things or has the same priorities or has the same business strategy. I agree. It really depends on the client there because I have some clients where I come on board and we're jumping in head first and starting on a campaign. I have other clients that want to see the full picture of like how this is going to fit in to their overarching plan for quarter two and how does that play into the entire year's marketing budget. So it really just depends on the client asking those questions when you're in that initial kickoff meeting, like who are the internal stakeholders here? Who am I reporting to? What does success look like to the company? Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about kind of Gen Z and leading with purpose and the authenticity in the marketing campaign. So let's talk a little bit about sustainability. You got into sustainability and have really like focused your career on it because it's something that you're passionate about. When you take a look at how companies traditionally make decisions, they're kind of selfish decisions. What I mean by selfish is like the company's not intending to be selfish, but at the end of the day, companies have shareholders, they have investors, and they have to be able to deliver results. So you have some examples of companies like Tom's, which really started like the one-to-one giving for a company that is not actively contributing to great environmental causes, whether it's a plant a tree, whether it's sourcing materials, whether it's labor in third world countries, how do you go about within a company showing somebody the value of quite frankly, doing what everybody knows is the right thing, but isn't always necessarily the clear decision that they've made in the past? Yeah. It's interesting that you asked this because one of my new clients that I'm working with now in that position, they've brought me on to do a digital strategy for them. So outside of the scope of any sustainability or DEI initiatives. And I've kind of just been hinting that they're really lacking that in their marketing. And it's a startup, it's a tech company. And like you said, they're just being selfish. And it's not that they're being selfish in a bad way. They're being selfish because they have that reporting to do and they owe people answers. But it's really important to show them why they need to be doing this. And I think that's the position I'm in now with them. So it's great that you've brought this up. So I was just talking about this with some friends yesterday, but it's really showing them the bigger picture of all of it. It's not just doing a one-off sustainability marketing campaign. It's putting this into the mission and weaving it throughout the company culture, the sooner the better. Because first and foremost, you need that in the company, not only for consumers, but internal employees. 
like we talk about Gen Z, when as Gen Z starts to get into the workforce, that's what they're looking for in a company. They want to be working in a corporate company where they feel they have a purpose going to work every day. So it's twofold. It's internal and external. And I think more so now, even with investors, people are shifting over to ESG strategies. People are really looking at what is your company doing for people and the planet, not just profit. So it's really important. ESG, for somebody who's listening today and might not be familiar with ESG, tell the audience a little bit more about sustainable investing. Yeah. So ESG is environmental, social, and governance. So just taking a full look at the entire picture. And I think when people think about sustainability, their mind immediately goes to green recycling, but sustainability is really a bigger picture. There's people, planet, and profit. So it's taking a look at all three of those categories and identifying what that triple bottom line looks like. So it goes across all things. So some of my clients, I'm not really even just fully focused on sustainability campaigns in the sense that you would think about it. I'm working with one of my clients, Dolce Vita, on a pride campaign for June and just bringing in those DEI initiatives, diversity, equity, and inclusion into the campaign, making sure that that's a core pillar this company has already. So how can we make sure that we highlight that and amplify it? Yeah. And I mean, this is something that's really has taken off in the past few years. Company, large institutional investors like Blackstone, Morgan Stanley have all put a focus on ESG as they're taking a look at investments to recommend to their clients. And, you know, in the past, there had always been like non-financial factors that investors would use to evaluate decisions on firms to invest or not invest in, but putting the governance and the structure and really like the third party validation around it is making real changes in how investors are choosing the companies that they're working with. You know, I think one of the other misconceptions that you kind of like demythed there is that this is something that I will do when the company is bigger. You oftentimes hear a lot of early stage companies say, well, we can't donate a million dollars to something. We're just trying to do this. Or thinking that it might take too much time, like, oh, this would be a distraction from our core business to go plant trees. And they're not thinking about, you mm-hmm. know, like one of the best campaigns, 1% for the planet. That's the great thing about 1%. 1% can be affordable and 1% can be Absolutely. put into a budget regardless of the size of the company. And on something like planting trees, there's these global partners that you can partner with to be able to accomplish that without necessarily taking bandwidth away from what your team's focusing on. Exactly. And you can kind of weave it into your marketing campaign so authentically that it makes sense. So for Dolce Vita, the shoe company I just mentioned, they recently just did an influencer trip to Jamaica. And I was on a consulting call with them just kind of talking through what they were going to be doing for this trip. And I suggested that they offset all the flights to offset the carbon emissions for all the influencers flying from New York to Jamaica. And they did it. So it's little things like that where they're able to share that with their community. They're able to share that with their internal employees. They're able to share that with their influencers who can then share that with their audience. And it's more mindful thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Madison, it's been great having you on this episode. This is a conversation I've been looking forward to for a long time. Thank you so much for sharing <laughs> your journey with the audience here. You're just like huge takeaways on the show, Destination CMO. A lot of the times we talk about the journey to becoming a CMO and then sometimes the transition into consulting after you're a senior leader inside of or working in-house. 
And I'm loving all day long that you're taking something that you're passionate about and you're going straight there, making an impact with a lot of the movers and shakers within the fashion industry. And that you've taken just something that you're personally passionate about and figured out how to make it an entirety of like what your life's work is. And so thank you so much for sharing that journey. And for somebody who wants to stay connected with you or like follow your story, where's the best place to stay connected? Definitely Instagram. My Instagram is just my name, Madison Nagel or LinkedIn. And I love connecting with new people. So for sure, reach out, message me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us again here today. This has been an episode of Destination CMO. If you have found this episode to be helpful or valuable, make sure to like and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening to this. And we'll catch you next time. This has been Destination CMO, hosted by Vincent Famvan. Because marketing careers are often highly specialized and rarely linear, Destination CMO invites senior marketers to share stories and insights from their professional journey. If you liked this episode, join the community by following us on social media. We have links to all our platforms in the show notes. And join us next time for the most important stories in business and tech, explained through the lens of a senior marketer. Thanks for listening to Destination CMO. This podcast is produced by Caroline Pickens and the team at Fresh Picked Studio. For more information, go to freshpickedstudio.com.